All right, Shabbosai, good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. Thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tammuz. Rabbi Naftali Tilson of Kalman Daritisal for dedicating all the Shimon Joshua's this month. In commemoration of the yard site of his dear parents, Abiona Ben Avram Leib and Rivka Bas Yaakov. We hope that, in the merit, and of course, in the merit of all of us, continuing to learn the Da'af and Merit Hashem. So we finish the cycle Bekarov. We open the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham Slav and Aliyah, and the family Einachama. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Binyamin Fleischman, in memory of his father, of Shmuel Yudel, Ben Avram Yaakov, Yehuda and Jenny Goodhart, Le'ili Nishmas Yishai Zalman, Ben Lazer, and Leah Sol, in honor of the upcoming marriage of Avram Silber and Zisi Frankel, and Binyamin and Alana Levin, in honor of the birth of a granddaughter, Leora Sarah Levin. We thank all of our sponsors for their incredible generosity. Beautiful, beautiful combination of milestones of the past, milestones of the future. And we'll with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Lamed Ches, 38. And we are picking up a merit session. We have a lot to do today at the Mishnah on Lamed Zayin Amadeis. The Mishnah is 37b. We'll say a new topic, a new topic. Eved Shenishba Upadua. We'll say if you have an Eved Kinani. So remember again, Eved Kinani is a non-Jewish servant who upon being taken as a, as a servant to a Jew, you know, always, it's interesting, because Eved, of course, really translates as slave. We're often reticent to use the word slave, because especially, because generally slavery has such a negative connotation. But the truth is, we've seen so much throughout Shas to recognize that halacha protects the interests of the Eved Kenani, the non-Jewish slave, in such a dramatic way. So again, sometimes it just feels a little bit more comfortable to use the word servant, but again, but this is a, non, a non-Jewish servant. So, and so now what happens? The non-Jewish servant, the Evakinani, runs away. He runs away. And what happens? Upadua. And then he is redeemed. Now, both say the case over here is he is redeemed by another Jew. So let's say, for example, Evakinani is owned by Ruve. Evakinani runs away, and Shimon redeems him. Shimon redeems him. So in other words, he runs away, he's taken captive by someone else, and ultimately, again, Shimon now, a second Jew, redeems him. So what's Talaho? Imushum ben Chorin, sorry, Imushum Eved If he's redeemed, if he's redeemed by Shimon, Jew number two, for the sake of servitude, then ultimately again he comes back to servitude. Imushum ben Chorin, if he's redeemed ultimately in order to be a free person, then ultimately again lo Yishtabit. Then he cannot be, he cannot be, he cannot be re-enslaved. Says, no, 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 regardless, regardless, once he is redeemed, by definition, he returns back to servitude. So we'll say, very interesting, Machlokas, Tanakama, essentially saying that the status of the servant is dependent on what the intent was when he was redeemed. Shemuel saying, no, 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 so, so intention is irrelevant. At the end of the day, when he is redeemed, he automatically goes back to servitude. Good, let's analyze. What's the case, says the Gemara? So I'll say, if we're talking about, I'll say, remember, we're, so, so, so Ruvain owns this Evikinani. Evikinani runs away. Shimon is one who's redeeming him. So I'll say, the Gemara says, what's the case? And really what the case is, is very much dependent on the mindset of Ruvain, the original master. If it's Lifnei Yeosh, I'll say, remember again, so what's Yeosh? Yeosh means essentially you give up hope, right? Despair. We're not talking about a state, uh, an emotional state, right? but rather again a halachic state. When the Eved runs away, does Reuven have intention of getting him back or not? So if Reuven has intention, that's called if Neyeyosh, 
prior to despair. If Reuven does not have intention, that's achar yeosh. So if we're talking about that Reuven has not yet given hope of reclaiming his servants, then Hashum ben Choron Amaylo Yishtabe. I don't understand. So Vasky supposed that if it's Lifnei Yeosh, even if Shimon, second Jew, redeems the Evet Kenani for the sake of emancipation, why wouldn't he still be a slave? The first owner has not yet had Yeosh. He hasn't given up hope of retrieving him. Ella Achar Yeosh. Rather, rather, it must be talking about a case where Reuven has already experienced Yeosh. If that's the case, if that's the case, then ultimately, even if Shimon redeems the servant for the sake of servitude, if it's after Yeosh, servant should go free. Amr Abai says, no, 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 the Olim Lufnei Yeosh, we're talking about a case of Lufnei Yeosh. Well, therefore, again, Lushum Eved Yishtabed Lerabo Rishon. So therefore, again, I'll say, if he's redeemed, ultimately, again, for servitude, therefore, Halokha Lamaisi goes back to his first master. Lushum Ben Chorin, Lo Yishtabed, Lo Lerabo Rishon, Velo Lerabo Sheni. But if Shimon redeems the Eved for the sake of emancipation, he does not return to servitude to master one or to master two. Why not? Lerabo Sheni, Lo, he doesn't go, but I'll say first wide line in the bottom of Lam and Zion and Babes. He doesn't go to the second master, because the second master, Sarai Shimon, redeemed him ultimately again for emancipatory purposes. But he doesn't go back to Rabbi Rishon either. Why not? Because we'll say since it's the Achar Yeosh, ultimately again, sorry, the Fnei Yeosh, ultimately again, the first master may not actually want to redeem him. Okay, so we'll say that's the first approach of Abaye. Reb Shimon Gamliel says, Reb Shimon Gamliel says, Reb Shimon Gamliel Omer, Ben Kachu Ben Kach Yishtabed. Whatever, or as we'll say, the, the intent of Shimon when he redeems the Evid Kanani is absolutely irrelevant. Either way, this Evid is going back to servitude. Why? Kasavar Kishim Shem Mitzvah Liftos Es Bnei Chorin, Kach Mitzvah Liftos Es Ha'avodim. So I will say, this is very interesting. To get into the psychology here a little bit, why, why would the intention of Shimon play a role in this at all? So I will say what's driving all of this is as follows. Do people feel a mandate to redeem an Evet Kenani who has been taken into captivity? Right? After all, again, I will say, on one hand, he's quasi-Jewish, right? He's like a little bit of Jewish. He's, he's an Evet, he's an Evet to a Jew, which endows him with some Judaic identity, and certainly upon emancipation, he becomes a full-fledged Jew. On the other hand, he's not a Ben Chorin. So Rabbi holds that Halacha people feel a moral mandate to go ahead and redeem even an Evet Kenani. And therefore Halacha will say, that's, that's why Rabbi in the Mishnah says, Rabbi in the Mishnah says, that no matter what, when you redeem this Evet Kenani, he's going back to servitude. And don't worry about it. People will still redeem him. Why? Because Rabbi holds the same way that there is a mitzvah of Pidyon Shvuyim, to redeem captives by free people, then ultimately again there is a mitzvah to redeem avodim kinanim, who are the property, the servants of Jews as well. Incredible. Rava Amar Rava says, no, no, no. Leolam le'achar Yehosh. Rava chooses to set up the case of says after Yehosh. So Ruvain, the original owner, has despaired of retrieving his Evet Kenani. Ulushum Evet Yishtabed Rabosheni. And therefore, again, if the Evet is redeemed, if the Evet is redeemed ultimately, again, for servitude purposes, he becomes the servant of Shimon, the guy who redeems him. We call, we call him, we'll say, by the way, in this case, we're calling the second master, right? The first master is Ruvain. Who's the second master? In this case, the second master is Shimon, the guy who's redeeming the Evet Kenani. So therefore, again, it's after Yeosh. It's after Yeosh. And therefore, again, if he's redeemed for captivity purposes, for servitude purposes, 
He'll go to Shimon. Lushum ben Chorim, but if he's redeemed to be a free man, lo yishtabid lo l'rabarishon, lo l'raboshini. Then ultimately, again, he's emancipated. He's fully emancipated. L'raboshini lo, he doesn't go to the second master. Why? Dehala shum ben Chorim parke, because Shimon redeemed him to be a free man. L'raboshini nami lo, dehala achar yehoshava. He won't go to the first master either. Why? Because ultimately, again, it's after yehoshava. So this is actually a very, a very cohesive approach. So again, Rav is saying, the case of, here's, here's, let's, let's just frame it. Ruvain owns an Evid Kanani. Evid Kanani runs away. Ruvain has Yeosh, right? He does not, he does not have any hope of reclaiming his Evid Kanani. Shimon comes along and redeems the Evid Kanani. For what purpose? The Shum Ben Chorin. For the sake of emancipation. So now when Shimon redeems him, the Evid is not going to be a servant to Shimon. Why? Why? Because Shimon redeemed him for emancipatory purposes. He's also not going to go back to Ruvain. Why? Because it's Achar Yeosh. It's Achar Yeosh. That's the interpretation of Rav in the Mishnah. What about Rav Shimliel? Shimliel? Remember, Rav Shimliel in the Mishnah says, no matter for what your intention is when you're redeeming me, only he always, he always goes back to servitude. Why is it that, according to Rav Shimliel, Based on according to Chizkiah, no matter what the intent is of Shimon when he redeems the Eved Kanani, the Eved is always going back to servitude. Why does he say that? Because it's incredible. Shelo yeheik kol echad ve'echad holich umafil asmo legayasos umafkiyah asmo miyad rabo. I will say, Rav Shimon says this. Like I will say, this is a little bit of the time. It's like a tikkun olam piece over here. So I will say, if an Eved knows, if an Eved knows that he can run away, be redeemed and be redeemed for emancipation, then what have you just done? You've incentivized Avadim Kinanan to run away. Because then what's going to happen? Run away, right? Stay, stay out of sight for a while. Let your first master have Yeosh. Second master will redeem you, hopefully more for emancipatory purposes, and you're free. You've created an incentive for Avadim to run away. Therefore, again, our sugar wheel disincentivizes, excuse me, Avadim running away by essentially saying no matter how you are redeemed, Halach you're going back to servitude. Incredible. So I'll say, so again, so just this, this position of Rav is kind of going to be our guiding light over here for the next little bit. I was going to question it, but just to so, so, that, so you know how we're setting up the case. Ruvain owns an Eved Kenani. Eved Kenani runs away. Ruvain has Yeosh. He gives up hope of retrieving the Eved. Shimon redeems the Eved. Ultimately, again, Shimon redeems the Eved for emancipatory purposes. In that case, Eved goes free. Why? Because again, it was Shimon's intent to set him free. And Ruvain already had Yeosh. So there's no master to go back to. That's the position of Tanakamo. Rabbi says, no. No, 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 no. When you redeem that Eved, he always goes back to servitude. Servitude of her, of who? Servitude of first master. Because if it's not that way, then you're incentivizing Avadim to run away because running away will be a way for, will be a mechanism for them to find freedom, to find emancipation. Good. So said the same way that there is a mitzvah to redeem free people, there is a mitzvah to redeem Avadim. So So according to Abaye, this makes sense. Who says that all of this is happening before Yeosh, right? The evidence being redeemed before Ruven had Yeosh. That's why the Lashon is Kishem. 
But according to Rav, who says it's happening after Yehosh, Hai Kishem, what do you mean Kishem? Mishum de Chizkiyahu, as we just said before, his whole position is based on Chizkiyah. The reality is, Rabbi Shingon Liel did not know the core position of the Rabbana, of the Tanakhama. And therefore, this is what he was saying. See, if you're setting up the case, ultimately, again, with Neyeosh, then it'll be like this. If it's after Yeosh, ultimately, again, like Hiskia. Good. Or the Rava, Dhamma Achar Yeosh. So it's like, according to Rav, who sets up the case, which was the last position we saw, that it's after Yehosh, Ul Rabo Sheni, right, we'll say, so if it's, if it's according to Rav, and it's after Yehosh, so we'll say, so ultimately again, and therefore, Halacha Lama remember, according to Rav, according to Rav, if the second master, if Shimon does redeem the Eved for, for servitude purposes, then ultimately, again, the second master, Shimon, gets to keep the Eved, right? Because first master, Reuven, already had Yehosh. Here's the Shaila Rabbo, say, Rabbo Shimon, Iman Kanile. He'll say, who is Shimon acquiring the Eved from? To which the Gemara says, Bim Shabai. So ultimately, from the captors, Shabai Gufei, Mi Kanile. But do the captors themselves actually acquire the Eved? In Kanile Maisi Yadav. Yes, they acquire the Eved, Rabbo say, not as much that the captors acquire the goof of the Eved, but rather the captors acquire ultimately, again, the earning powers, right? The Maisi dying, the earnings, the production. While we're actually what the Eved produces. Here's what's interesting. One Gentile cannot own the body of another Gentile. But what could happen over here is one Ovid Kochav, one Gentile could own the earning capacity, the Maisi Adayim, the earnings, the product that he produces. How do we know that? Pasik says, we'll say, speaking about the, the idea, we'll say, we're going to see the idea that from the Torah perspective, the Torah would rather that a Jew possesses an Eved Kenani than an Eved Ivri. That's, that's, that's what we would prefer. That's what we prefer. So the Pasik says, therefore, from amongst the Gentiles that you live, that, right, from amongst the Gentiles you live, you live among, so mehem tiknu, acquire from them. Atem koni mehem, so we'll say, you could acquire them, you could acquire them, top of lamiches, velohem koni mikem. But I will say, ultimately, again, a Gentile cannot own a Jew. A Gentile cannot own a Jew, right? So a Jew, a Jew could own an Eved Kenani, but ultimately, again, a Gentile cannot own a Jew. Now, obviously, where do these halachas take effect? Right? These halachas take effect in a Jewish-governed society. In a Jewish-governed society. So therefore, again, the Jewish-governed society, so a Jew could own an Eved Kenani. But let's say a Kenani, a Gentile, cannot own a Jew. Let's say I'll just point out something incredible. Do you want to know the secret to the Nitzchis of Klav Yisrael? Why is it that we're here? Why is it that we're here today? After thousands of years of persecution. Right? You want to say... Even have to go back to a thousand years of persecution. The, the, just the, the tragic events that unfolded in Eretz Yisrael, right outside of Eli. Right? How is it that Cloud Yisrael is not broken from all of these events throughout thousands of years of persecution? And I will say the answer is because no one could ever own the Jew. That's really what it comes down to. People could persecute us, people could kill us, people could hurt us, people could maim us. You can't own us. The only entity in the world which could ever own a Jewish, could ever own a Yid, is the Ribbon Shal Olam. Everyone else could exert control. Everyone else could go in and, and exert some level of control over me. Control can happen, but not ownership. 
So because of that personalistic autonomy, because at the end of the day, the only, and I belong to me, and I belong to my God, those are the only two entities who have any level of ownership over me. There's, there's an inner freedom, and that inner freedom manifests itself in the constant and consistent survival of Klal Yisrael. I'll say, remember again, you look what's happening here to Saul right now. I'll say, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, all right, they call it the, the, the settlement movement, but you know what I'll say, there's like a, a phrase that is so profound that every single time, as you see this, what happens, every single time someone is killed, so what's the response? Building, building. There's a phrase, Bevinyana we will be consoled through building. We'll be consoled, in other words, you take something from us, we'll just create more. You take something from us, we'll, take, we'll, we'll build more. Where, where does that freedom of spirit come from? Right? I was going to say, by, by the rest of the world often, you kill us, we'll kill you back. Unfortunately, we, we, we begin to see the rise of that in some extremist behavior in Eretz Yisrael as well, which has to be condemned on every single level. That's not what we do. That's not how we behave. But I was about the ability to answer loss and death and violence with building and thriving and expansion. That comes from a spirit that cannot be conquered, from a spirit that cannot be owned. I was say, so where does it come from? Have the source for that is Gitin Laman Ches Samadalif. Gitin the first two words on the line. Velo Heim Konim Mikem. No one could own us. No one could own us. Incredible. Velo Heim Konim Zemizah. We'll say, and again in, in non Jews, right? They also can't go ahead and own each other. Yacholo Yiknu Zedze. So we'll say, ultimately again, so I'm sorry. Velo Heim Konim Zemizah. Yacholo Yiknu Zedze. So Yacholo Yiknu Zedze. Ha'amrit Lohim Konim Zemizah. We just said before, what do you mean? They can't acquire each other. Halki Kamar. Velo Heim Konim Zemizah Gufo. Or as well say, one Akum cannot own the body of another Akum, a Guf. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, You might have thought that maybe they can't own the earnings of one another as well. Right? So ultimately, again, so I'll say, Yisrael could acquire an Ovid Kochavim. I'll say, that's a Kenyan Haguf. Right? Kenyan Haguf means literally physical autonomy. Ovid Kochavim, Ovid Kochavim Lokoshkin. So I'll say ultimately again, if a, if if a, if a Jew could own an Ovid Kochavim, so be pashtos an Ovid Kochavim can another Ovid Kochavim. Bein a hanimili bekaspa. That's only true by kasef. Aval bechazaka lo, but not by chazak, but not but not but, but not with chazaka proprietary act. I'm not papa. One second. Amon umoav tiaru besichon. So what's here is what's interesting. Look at the nations of Amon and Moab, which were overrun by Sichon. Right, I will say, Sichon conquered Ammon and Moab. So you see the ability for one Akum to overcome another Akum. I will say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Ammon and Moab, Tiharu b'Sichon, Amma Ovid Kochavim Konam Echavero, Karka b'Chazaka. So I will say, so again, you see from here that one Akum can conquer another Akum b'Chazaka. Ashkechan Ovid Kochavim, so the Ashkechan Ovid Kochavim, Ovid Kochavim, Ovid Kochavim, Yisrael Minalon, so there is the ability, ultimately, as one of the quotes, the Pasuk, talked about one of the wars that Klal Yisrael waged in the Midbar, where a Jew was taken captive. So the fact that a Jew ultimately, again, was taken captive, ultimately indicates to us that there could be some level of ownership of, or some level of autonomy of a non-Jew over a Jew. But I've said, but it's not a king in Agof. 
It's not a kinyan aguf. Ultimately, again, it's a kinyan kesef, or we'll call it, it's a power over earnings. So I will say, so the idea over here that Gemara is pointing out, just, just, to, just to fit this back in, Gemara is trying to figure out, so right, we have this construct, for example, we have this construct where Ruvain, the original order of the Evet Kenani, went ahead and had Yeish, right? The Evet Kenani runs away, Ruvain has Yeish, Shimon redeems him for, a man, for, for, uh, for, for, for servitude purposes. So I will say, what's the halacha? Shimon acquires him. Sigmar so just says, who is Shimon acquiring him from? To which the answer is, who is he acquiring him from? The captors. I, but could one Gentile acquire another Gentile? And the answer is, yes. The answer is yes. Perhaps not in a Kenyan Haguf capacity, but certainly in an earnings capacity. Although the Gemara does give other examples, let's say by Sichon, where there could even be an acquisition by Chazaka. Okay, fine. Supposed to listen to this. If an Eved runs away from jail, so we'll say in this case over here, in this case over here, you have an Eved Kenani who was emancipated. I'm sorry, who was incarcerated. Who was incarcerated. He runs away from jail. He runs away from jail. So we'll say, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? So ultimately, again, he goes free. He's emancipated. We'll say, not only that, we force the master to go ahead and write a get shikra, right? Write, write a document of emancipation. So we'll say now, what's the point of that? Rashi says over here, in order to allow him to get married, right? So when Evan runs away, right? So we'll say, so it's two steps, really, three, once again, three steps. Ruvain owns an Evid Kinani. Evid Kinani is incarcerated. Evid Kinani runs away from incarceration. So what's Talacha? Upon, upon running away from incarceration, he is free. And we force the master to give him a get shechur. Incredible. So it's not Shimon says no. Ben kachu, ben so say this is the same Rav Shimon Gamliel over and over and over. And you see what Rav Shimon Gamliel is concerned about is creating a system where avadim just keep running away with the hope to gain their emancipation. So I will say, so the Gemara says, Rabbi Shemuel says, therefore, no, 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 even if he runs away from, from jail, ultimately, again, he's still an Ever. Anytime that in general, Rabbi Shemuel is on record in a Mishnah, the halacha usually follows him, chutz, me'arev, v'tzidon, v'raya achrona, or i'a achrona. So I will say, so ultimately, with the exception of three cases, which we're not going to get into right now, but a specific case of a guarantor, a specific case of, that occurred in Sidon, and Re'iya Achrona. So Bishlam Alabai. So therefore, both say, Bipashtos, Bipashtos, that would mean that the Allah Hafaz Rosh Hashanah over here as well. So Bishlam Alabaye. So according to Abaye, both say now, again, we're trying to fit this in to Abaye and Rava's interpretations of the Mishnah that we had on Zaylam with Beis. So watch this. Bishlam Alabaye. I'm sorry. Bishlam Alabaye, Mukila, the High Lifne Yeosh. He'll set up this price as talking about before Yeosh. I should say, our Mishnah as Lifne Yeosh. And ultimately, again, behind the Braisa, La'achar Yeosh, El Rava Amra La'achar Yeosh, Kasha Reb Yochanan, Reb Yochanan. I will say, according to Reb Rava, who holds that both cases are about after Yeosh, so he has a contradiction of Reb Yochanan, Amr Lachar Rava, Taima Mai, Mishum Dechizkiya. So I will say, Rava's whole logic, I will say, is really based on the position, ultimately, again, of Chizkiya. So I will say, so remember again, what's Chizkiya's logic? Chizkiya says, so I will say, Chizkiya says, let me see it differently, According to Rava, Rav Shemuel's position, right? Rav Shemuel holds that no matter what you redeem the Evet for, he's always going back to servitude. 
based on Chizkia. What was Chizkia's logic? Chizkia said that we don't want Avadim purposely running away or doing things out of some perceived thought that they're going to be emancipated. We, we, we incentivize, we incentivize Avadim running away, which is not good. To which the Gemara said, listen to this. So, we'll say, Boreach Shaini. But when a guy runs away from jail, and every guy runs away from jail, it's different. Why? Hashta liktala masra nafshei. Apule apil nafshi the gayasos. Shabbos said, at the end of the day, running away from jail, running away from jail, ultimately, again, puts a person in mortal danger. Right? Because we'll say, if they go get Rashi, Rashi is a very liktala masra nafshei, kadeilotzeis midei gayasos, sharborech min haasurim viodeh shim yasigu yihari. Shabbos said, in, in, in apparently, in times of the Gemara, if you're running away from jail and they caught you, they're not putting you back in jail. You know what they're doing? They're killing you. They're killing you. So if this guy is putting himself in mortal danger, ultimately, again, do you think that afterwards he's going to allow, he's, not, he's going to put himself in mortal danger again and put himself back into, and, and allow himself to fall into the hands of other captors? Fine. So I'm saying to Shmuel, so we'll say a story, a story that illustrates some of this. Very interesting. I'm saying to so we'll say, Shmuel, Mashmuel had a maidservant. She was taken captive. Parkua l'shem amsa. So ultimately, and she was redeemed for the sake of servitude. Vishadrua lay. Right? And ultimately, again, they sent her back to him. So apparently, someone else redeemed the maidservant and ultimately went ahead and sent the maidservant back to Mashmuel. Shalchu They sent to him. We hold it. Therefore, I'll say they, what they were saying was this: this this maidservant should go back to servitude. Because as Rabbi Shimon says, no matter what the intention of emancipation was, Evid always goes back to servitude. So the Gemara says. So the Gemara says. So Shachole Anan Kerab Shimon Liel Sviralon At Inami Kerabanan Sviralacha Anan Lushum Amsa Parkina Nehela. So they said to Mar Shmuel. Listen, no matter who you hold like, we just want you to know, we redeemed her for the sake of servitude. So because we redeemed her for the sake of servitude, she should be put back to work. Okay. So the Gemara says, So, Now, listen to this. So, so just, to, just, to, just to frame the case. Mashmuel has a maidservant. She runs away. She runs away, or she's taken, uh, what's Lushan? She's taken, yeah, she's sorry. She's taken captive. She's taken captive. She is redeemed by a group of other people. They sent her back to Marshmuel to once again be in servitude. And they send Marshmuel the following message. They say to him, listen, we hold the Rav Shem which Rav Shem Gamliel in the Mishnah, no matter what your intention is when you redeem the Abed, Abed is always going back to servitude. Right? And they said to Marshmuel, they said to Marshmuel, but even you, we don't know who you hold like, but even if you hold like the Rabbana, just know we redeemed her for the sake of servitude. So put her back to work. Put her back to work. Meanwhile, what happened? They thought they will say that for Shmuel, this was before Yeosh. And in fact, what they didn't know was Shmuel already had Yeosh of reclaiming her. So because he already had Yesh of reclaiming her, therefore what? Ushmuel, lomi bai di ishtabude, lomi shtabid ba, elagita di chirusa namelo etzrecha. So I will say, so therefore again, because her Shmuel was after Yeosh, therefore I will say, when she came back, what did he do? What did he do? He emancipated her. 
And what's the other one? The emancipator, but he actually held that she didn't even need to get shikhrah, a document of emancipation. Why not? Listen to this, Rabbi Osai. Because Shmuel is of the opinion that when one, when one has, when one is, when one is mafkir, one is hefker, right? One makes their evet hefker, the evet ownerless, the evet goes free and doesn't require a get shikhar. Now, Bosai, remember again, yeosh is effectively making an item hefker, right? When you, when you despair of ever reclaiming something, essentially what you do is you make it ownerless. Shene emar, fechal evet ish miknas kasev. So, Bosai, Pasek says, any evet ish. Evet ish, velo evet isha. It is only a servant, Rabosai, whose master has control over him, that's called an Eved. But once someone doesn't have control over you, you are no longer an Eved. No longer an Eved. So, so this is really, if you think about it, this is, this is a great case which helps to illustrate the nature of this Mahloga. So just one more time, let's just look at this once more because this makes, this makes the Mishnah come alive. So understand what's happened over here. So Shmuel has a maidservant. Maidservant taken captive. Another party, a group over here, redeemed the maidservant, sent her back to Shmuel. And they sent her back to Shmuel with the following, with the following message. We, the group, group number two, we hold like a B'shim Lamiel. What does B'shim Lamiel say? Anytime you redeem an Eved, what happens? What happens? Go back to servitude. Why is that? Let's go with the idea of Chizkiah, because B'shim Lamiel says we want to disincentivize, we want to, so Avadim running away, thinking that they're going to find some form of emancipation. But they send the show, we don't know what you hold. We don't know what you hold. But even if you hold like the Rabban of the Mishnah, what did the Rabban of the Mishnah say? The Rabban of the Mishnah made it sound like it depends why the second party is redeeming the Eved. Redeeming for servitude, redeeming for emancipation. We, we are redeemed her for the sake of servitude. Therefore, she should be back in your service. Maidservant gets back to Shmuel. What does Shmuel say to the maidservant? What does he say to her? You're free to go. Why? Why? Because for Shmuel, he had already had Yeosh. He had already given up hope of having to, of reclaiming her. And I will say, not only that, so therefore again, he holds like the Rabbanon, it's Achar Yeosh, it's Achar Yeosh, therefore she goes free. Not only that, she doesn't need to get shirk, she doesn't need a document of emancipation. Why? Because Yeosh effectively makes an Evet Hefker, and Shmuel holds that once an Evet becomes Hefker, no need for get shirk. So fast, just an excellent illustrative story. Great job, Gimara. Let's go back to it. Says Gimara. I'm saying Rabbi Abba, I'm saying Rabbi Abba Barzutra. So we'll say another story. So what happens? There was a maidservant. It was a maidservant of Rabbi Abba Barzutra. Ishtaboy. So same, same idea. Maidservant of Rabbi Abba was taken captive. Parka hahu tamuda. So there was a, there was a tamudoin who went ahead, a tamudah who, who redeemed her. Lushum Issa. Now watch this interesting case. He redeemed her for the sake of marrying her. Okay. So Shalkhulay Lididei. So they sent ultimately a message to Rabbi Abba. Listen, if you're happy with this course of course of uh, action, do me a favor, send her a get shikhar. Send her a get shikhar. This way she's fully emancipated. She can marry. So the Gemara says, Hey, what's the case? 
Lama Lagita Dichirusa, ultimately again, if, if ultimately again there's the ability to redeem her, then Allah Hamas, why does she need a, a get shekher? And again, ultimately, again, if it's if it's not a full redemption for emancipation, then what goes get shikhar? So here's the difference. The difference was that because in general you see that there's the ability if they thought that if they sent a get shikhar, they'd have an easier time redeeming her. Right? Why? Because I will say, again, it's easier to do a, like, a, like a charity campaign for a Jew than it is for an Evid Kinani. Right? So therefore, again, if she has to get Shekhar, then the Bible says she's emancipated. If she's emancipated, it's easier to raise money for her. V'yubay say, when the Olam Dol Masi Parkila, what's the other possibilities? He didn't want to redeem her. V'chevah demeshadah legita dechirusa misala ba'apeh o mefarikla. So I will say, could very well be that in fact this Tamudai this time Udai did not want to go ahead and redeem her. Rather, he was happy to marry her as is. Once, however, the get shikhra was sent, the whole thing becomes known that she was a shifcha. And so we'll say, this is an interesting statement over here. I but Mar said that that an akum prefers the Jew, the, the animal of a Jew, to his own wife. And we'll say, that's speaking to the general immorality. Of of an akum, hani mili b'tzina. That's only true in private. Aval befarhesya zilu b'humilsa. But publicly, ultimately, again, it would be embarrassing. So I'll say what's interesting is as follows: This Tamudai had an interest in marrying this woman, as long as it wasn't known that she was a shifcha. The problem was once they get shichra would be sent. What would happen? The entire matter becomes public, and then ultimately it becomes something degrading for him. Fine. But we'll say another story which helps to illustrate some of these concepts. So we'll say a very interesting case. There was a maidservant in Pompadisa who was an immoral woman and was engaging in immoral acts with Jewish men. With Jewish men. Okay, so we'll say now watch this. Amr Abaye, Sabai says, Ilavda Ravihudam Shmuel, Kolamashachrer, Kolamashachrer, Avdo, over Baase, Hava Kaifina Lelamara. So it was because of Lagide de Jerusa. So we'll say now, watch what's happening over here. So you have this maidservant, right? She's owned by Ruvain. She's immoral. She's immoral and engaging in immoral acts with Jewish men. So what happens? So we'll say, now, here's what's interesting. In this case, in this case, Sabai comes along and says, the, what I would like to be able to do is emancipate her. Why? Because if she become emancipated, then what Rebo says, she can get married. And if she gets married, she has a husband who's going to take care of her and, and help her to avoid this type of behavior. In other words, the assumption is the reason why she's engaging in this immorality is because she's not tethered to any type of relationship. So emancipate her, emancipate her, let her get married, and hopefully, again, she'll correct her immoral ways. So the Gemara says, so, 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 so Abaye says, I would force the master to emancipate her were it not for the fact that Shmuel said, whoever emancipates his Eved Kenani is in violation of a positive commandment. We'll say, what's the positive commandment? The Pasuk says, the olam bahem ta'avodu. Ultimately, again, you should, you should keep your Eved Kenani forever. I will say, there is a positive commandment to keep your Eved Kenani, not to emancipate him. Not to emancipate him. But we'll say, the Sefer Achinuch says, why? Why is there a mitzvah's assay 
to not emancipate, to not emancipate your Evikinani. And the Sefer HaKadosh is amazing. He says, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu would rather that the menial labor be performed by an Akum and not be performed by Jews. Right? That's it. It's, it's Al's covered Yisrael. Right? Anna for the Jewish people. That let there be a menial workforce of, of, of non-Jews ultimately again who do the work instead of Jews. Instead of Jews. That's the logic. So therefore Abaye says, I would force the master. Normally I would force the master to emancipate her, to emancipate her, except for the fact that there's an assay that you're not allowed to do this. To which the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, Because of like, uh, I'm sorry, I just lost the place. Rava says, no, no, no. So we'll say, listen to this. So comes along Rabbi Yehuda, comes along Ravina. Ravina says, no, the truth is, in a case like this, you actually would be allowed to emancipate the Abed. Why? Because Rabbi say there, there are Isurim that are happening over here. So the Gemara says, "Va'abai mishum isuralo, v'amra bichanina barav katina, amra bitzchak, ma'ise bi'isha achos, shechetzia shivcha, v'chetzia baschorin." So we'll say, listen to this. There was a case of a woman who is chetzia shivcha, chetzia baschorin. I will say, how could you ever have a case like that of a woman who is half shivcha, half baschorin? Shutfin, excellent, excellent. You have a jointly owned shivcha, Ruven and Shimon, right? Ruven emancipates his chelik, Shimon does not. So she is in this very difficult predicament that she doesn't have complete identity. So I'll say, I'm a base. So I'll say, they force the master, they force the master to emancipate her. So I'll say, what do you see from here? What do you see from here? That as much as there is a mitzvah's assay to keep your Eved Kenani, when there is a compelling reason for emancipation, we'll force that. We'll force that. So the Gimara says, and what was the problem with this woman? The problem with this woman was she was engaged in immoral behavior. So you see from your Abba say that of, although there is an assay to keep your Eved Kinani, when there is a compelling mitzvah reason, you're permitted to emancipate. So the Gimara says, so the Gemara says, "Hachi hashda hasam lo le'avid chazi v'lo ben chorin chazia." We'll say it's different. In the case of chazi shefia chazi v'askar, we'll say the problem we have is, as they say, she's nishtahin nishtaher. Right? She can't marry anyone. She can't go ahead. She can't go ahead and marry a ben chorin. Why? Because she's a chazi shefcha. Right? She can't marry an Ebed, ultimately, again, because she's a chazi v'askarin. She can't marry anyone. We'll say there, there, she's really stuck because she does not go ahead and have a complete identity. However, again, In the case, in the case ultimately that we said before, I will say, right? The case of the Shifcha, who was engaging in immoral behavior with Jews, I will say, there is the ability to kind of enter her into a solid monogamous relationship. With who? With another Ebed. With another Evet. In other words, I will say, in other words, the Gemara is suggesting over here is there is another, there is another remedy over here. There is another remedy over here besides emancipation. Right? So in other words, when the only, when the only remedy ultimately is emancipation, right? So an Eidachinami for a mitzvah purpose will do that. But when there is another remedy, then we'll take emancipation off the table. Incredible. So Gufa, Call him a shachra avda. We'll say, by the way, what's interesting is, the worst thing in life is to have identity ambiguity. 
right? When you don't know who you are, when you don't know who you are, it is almost impossible to navigate yourself forward, right? We'll say the worst state to be in is chazi evid, chazi ben choren, right? Who am I, right? Am I an evid, am I ben choren? And we'll say, what's the problem? When you have identity, ambiguity, and you don't know who you are, you cannot navigate forward. You're stuck, you're stuck. I'll say, what, uh, it's so true. As a metaphor in life, you know, I'll say, I could be doing things wrong. I, I am. Most of us are doing things wrong on a daily basis. But if I know who I am, and I know where I need to get to, and I know what I have to accomplish, I know what I have to fix, I'll get there. I'll get there. Masha'in came, if I have identity ambiguity, and I don't know who I am, I'm a chatzi avid, I'm a chatzi ben chorid, I'm a chatzi this, I'm a chatzi that. Right? So listen, and the problem is, I can't really advance my personalistic agenda because since I don't have clarity of identity, I also don't have clarity of vision. Such an incredible use. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. If somebody were to ask you, if someone were to ask you, is it better to be a Chatsi Eved, Chatsi Ben Chorin, or to be an Eved, to be an Eved? So I'll say, before today's daf, I would have said, of course, Chatsi Eved, Chatsi Ben Chorin, because at least you're quasi Ben Chorin. Not true, not true. Better to be an Eved. <laughs> but why? I would say, because at least as an Eved, at least as an Eved, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. And ultimately, even if my goal is to become a Ben Chorin, right? Ultimately, I know what I have to get to. Ident- clarity of identity, clarity of knowing who you are and what you are, gives you clarity of purpose, clarity of vision, clarity of direction. When there's identity ambiguity, I don't know who I am, then ultimately, again, you spend your life spinning your wheels in the mud of life unable to fully advance your personalistic agenda. Incredible Yisrael. Let's go back there. So Gufa, Amr Yehudah Meshuel, Chal Meshachra Avdo, over Ba'aseh. But as we saw before, anyone who emancipates his Eved, who emancipates his Eved, is in violation of a positive commandment. Shinei Amar, Li'olam Bahem Ta'avodu. The Pasuk says, you should go ahead and keep your Eved forever. May say, one second. May say, Rabbi Allah's Eliezer, Shinei Ha'azvei Sa'kna Asara, so I'll say, now listen to this, listen to this. So I'll say, there was a story of Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer walked into shul. And what happened? He walked in with his Eved Kinani. And there were only nine people. It wasn't a minion. What did Rabbi Eliezer do? What did Rabbi Eliezer do? So I'll say, Rabbi Eliezer, so Rabbi Eliezer emancipated his Eved, made him the tenth guy, and ultimately they had the minion. Now, you know what the end of the story is? He left during Kedusha. Right, right, the Eved, right? I'm a regular Jew, so I'm getting out of here early, right? In other words, right, I'm not staying until the end of this. When he was an Eved Kinani, he was staying the whole time. Right, now that he's a Jew, he's packing up from there as soon as he can. Right, so I'll say, Solomaisa, Solomaisa, what happens? See, you see, what, what do you see from here? You see from here a case where Halochalamaisa, he emancipated the Eved. He emancipated the Eved. So, I don't say, you told me there's a mitzvah to say that you can't emancipate the Eved, to which the Gemara says, mitzvah shiny. A mitzvah is different. A mitzvah is different. So, we'll say, so what you begin to see, by the way, is that there is a mitzvah, I say a positive commandment, to keep your Eved Kenani and to not emancipate him. But what you begin to see is when there are compelling reasons or a need for emancipation, either, either, ultimately, again, for a, either for a mitzvah purpose or a bosai, 
in the case of Chatsi Evid, Chatsi Ben Chorin, we do force the remain, it's actually Machlokis Beshar and Beisilal, but we pass on the that we do force the master to emancipate the remaining Evid piece because he's stuck. So when there is a compelling reason for emancipation, we'll force that as well. Incredible. Let's finish up. Turn up, Sigmar goes weiter. Turn up, on on. Ultimately, again, Pasik says, you shall go ahead and enslave them forever. Rishos Divrei Bishmael says, it's optional. It's not obligatory. Torah is giving you maybe like an Eitz Tova. This is a good idea, but it's not obligatory. Rabbi Kiva says, Chova. Rabbi Kiva says, no, it's absolutely obligatory. I have a Dilma, Rabbi Elazar, Shavalokiman, Dama Rishos. Shavalok said, going back to the previous story, where Rabbi Eliezer emancipated his Eved in order to go to make the minion. So maybe he holds like the opinion that says the Olam Baham Tavod was not an obligation, but rather it's a Rishos. To which the Gemara says, himself is, is on record as saying Chova, that, that ultimately, again, there is an obligation to keep your Eved Kenani and not to emancipate him, unless, of course, there's some type of acute need. Both said incredible Gemara. There are three reasons for which a Balabas, a Balabas, right, one of us, Loses their property. Literally, again, but so plus nearly nachsi balabat minichsein. Rabbi say literally translated means three purposes. A balabas will take leave of his property. Rabbi say what does it mean to take leave of your property? It means to lose it. What are the three reasons why people lose their property? Number one, the mafki avdalu lechibusa. Ultimately, again, Rabbi say they go ahead. Number one reason is because they emancipate their slaves. They emancipate their gentile slaves. Number two, the sairi nichsayo b'shabsa. They go out to look at their properties on Shabbos. And number three, They go home to have their meal during the drasha. Listen to that one very <laughs> Listen to that, I will say. They go to make Kiddush during the drasha. They go to make Kiddush during the drasha. Right? They both say, now, okay, so let, let's talk about this just a little bit. Did I mention they go to make Kiddush during the drasha? Right? So I'll say that is one of the reasons why a balabas loses his money, loses his property. Now, we'll say, now what's, what's the pshat with this? First of all, let's, let's just finish the rest of the story. There are two families in Yushalayim. So I'll say one of them established him. And I'll say, now literally what it means is, so just seriously, on Shabbos, the Rav used to give a drasha, used to give a shear, or somebody, somebody gave a shear. So we'll say, remember for Balabatim, Shabbos was often the time when they were learning because during the week they were, during the week they were working. So we'll say, so don't schedule, don't go out to eat, don't go out to drink, don't schedule Shabbos Suda when it's the shear. You have, you have the rest of Shabbos to eat and drink, don't do it during the drasha. So the Gemara tells a story of two, two families in Yushalayim, one went ahead and, Achas Kavazudas B'Shabsa, Shabbos is interesting. So one of them purposely went out to eat, made their meal during the drasha. During the Joshua, the Achas Kavos Sudasa Be'erev Shabbos. I will say, interestingly enough, one of them, one of them, although well-meaning, decided to schedule their primary meal for Friday night, Shabbos night, to save their time ultimately again for Shabbos day. So I will say, remember, the halacha is, the primary Suda of Shabbos is Shabbos day, not Shabbos night. Their mistake was they made their primary Suda Shabbos night and not Shabbos day. I will say, the primary mitzvah of Oneg Shabbos is by day and not by night. Obviously, you have an obligation to have a suda at night. But we know this in halacha, right? If you have, let's say, a delicacy, right? When should you use it? The ideal is to save it for day and not to use it at night, 
right? Lemaise again, because the primary mitzvah of Oneg. So two families both made an interesting mistake, right? So first family made the mistake of scheduling their meal during the drasha. Second family, in an effort to get to the drasha, scheduled the primary meal for Shabbos night, as opposed to Shabbos day, and they made a mistake. And I both say, what's that? What happened? And ultimately, they both say, both, both ultimately, again, were uprooted from their property. Both are uprooted from their property. Rashi says over here, Rashi says, Rashi says, "Be'idon be midrasha, kishachacham dorish drasha shlorabim b'shabes, then yoshim b'suuda favlam lahakdim ola acher." I will say, don't go out to eat and drink during the drasha, right? In other words, have your suuda either earlier, have your suuda either later. But lamaisa, don't go ahead and miss Torah for the sake of eating and drinking. Next, Rashi be'erev Shabbos, but lele Shabbos ve'in kan kavod Shabbos dekaim alon kavod yom kodem lekavod laila. Both say the covet of the daytime of Shabbos takes precedence over the covet of nighttime. So again, they had good intent. The second family had good intentions. They moved the primary meal to Friday night so that it would not conflict with the drush on Shabbos day. But that's a mistake as well. And as a result, both of these families lost their property. I will say very quickly, what's the shot of these three things? Whenever we see something that's in Chazal, if you violate three things, you go ahead and you lose your property. So you must say again, emancipate your avodim, go out and see your property on Shabbos, and cause and, and eat during the drasha, eat and drink during the drasha. So you say, what's the pshat? What's coming in Amnader? So you say, the, the Ger Rebbe, the Beis Yisrael says something amazing. He comments on the first of these. He says, what does it mean? He says, what does it mean ultimately? The mafki avdaihu l'cherusa. So you say, we're translating it as, you emancipate your eved. So you say, listen to this. Says the basis, so get ready for this. All of us have certain things that we are to keep, we're supposed to keep enslaved, right? Let's say we have certain desires, we have certain wants, we have certain lusts, we have certain proclivities. And what's our goal? And our Baruch Hu, often, often, of us want to be clear, often, Hakadosh Baruch Hu created us that way. These are not things like that I picked up, right, or that I want per se, but often there are things with which the Ribono Shal Olam created me with. What's my job? What's my job? Keep it under control. Keep it under control. Make it your Eved. Make it your Eved. See, I both say, when it comes to the desires in life, I have one of two possibilities. Either I become a servant to my desires or my desires become a servant to me. The goal is number two. Make your Taibus, make your desires your servant. So I both say, what is Mark talking about over here? What I was talking about over here, an individual, Demafki Avdayu Lecherusa. I was saying, who's a guy who's Mafki Avdayu Lecherusa? I've set my Avadim free, which means I allow my desires and my wants to rule me. I've emancipated them. Whatever I feel like doing, I do. There's no checks. There's no balances. There's no stopping. There's nothing. My avodim, the things I should keep under control, I accept them. In other words, I I live without boundaries. Now, Rabbi says the base Yisrael. That's the rest of the list as well. What's Rabbi say? What's the siren of Right? Guy goes to see his property on Shabbos. Rabbi say, have a whole week to work. You have a whole week to work. You have six days to focus on work. Six days. One day, the Ribbono Shal Olam says, keep it in check. One day, Akadosh Baruch Hu says, don't engage in business. Don't do it. Don't look at it. Don't study it. Don't think about it. Move it away. In other words, create a boundary. Create a boundary. I was saying, what's the third thing? 
people who go out to eat and drink during the drasha, right? Jose, you have a whole Shabbos to eat and drink. Whole, and by the way, not only that, it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. So during the time of the drasha, you can't keep it under control. During that little bit of time, a person is unable to restrain themselves. So the common denominator of Jose is that this person lacks restraint. He's freeing his avadim, the things that he should keep enslaved, he's letting them go, right? One day a week, a person should control themselves, exercise self-restraint, we've learned in Piazzetta, exercise self-restraint, and don't engage in business, you can't do that. Whole Shabbos, you have to eat and drink, for whatever the amount of time is for the drasha, long drasha, short drasha, whatever it is, don't eat and drink, can't do that? Can't do that? So we'll say, so what happens? So we'll say, so what does the Gemara say? When a person doesn't have self-restraint, you know what that means? They can't hold on to things, right? They can't hold themselves back. Well, guess what? If you can't hold yourself back, chances are you're not going to be, be able to hold on to your possessions either. So you say, it's not a punishment. It's a cause and effect. It's cause and effect. If I'm a person without self-restraint, if I'm a person without self-control, if I'm a person who can't hold on to things, then look at the Lashon of the Gemara. It doesn't say a Kashmir who's going to take away your property. Rather, what does it say? So, so ultimately, Balabatim are separated. They're going to walk away from their property. Nachsi means they're going to be removed. So we'll say, because when you don't have self-control, you can't hold yourself back. You can't hold on to things. You can't keep things in. You can't keep things in control. So over time, that Midah is just going to have an impact on your possessions as well. The power, Rabbi say, of being people who are in control of their avodim, who are in control of their profession, who are in control of their bodily tithes. So we'll say, that's it. Life is all about the ability to exercise restraint and to know that everything has its time and everything has its place. Work on that midah of self-restraint and a person will be successful, not just in the realm of the spiritual, but in the realm of the material as well. Let's go a little bit weiter. So say a person who consecrates his evet, the evet goes free. My timer, what's the reason? Gufei lo, so the Gemara says, my timer, um, I'm sorry, my timer, gufei lo kadosh, ledmeid lo kamar, delay havi am kadosh. Because well, it's obviously because just by process of elimination, if I'm makdish my evet, I'm not being makdish his body, right? Because ultimately, again, the base uh, doesn't need to own an evet, right? Ultimately, again, I'm not consecrating his value because if I was consecrating his value, there are ways to say that as well. So therefore, by definition, what I'm saying is when I make him hectish, so to speak, I'm making him amkadosh. What I'm saying is you are part of the consecrated nation, i.e. you're a yid. Rabbi Yosef, and ultimately, Rabbi Yosef says, if you make your evet hefker, he goes free. The one who said by hektish, ultimately he goes free, certainly agrees by hefker. But the one who says by hefker, but I will say when a person is maktish, is evet, maybe not. Ultimately, because maybe ultimately, also, what am I saying when I'm maktish my evet? Maybe I'm not emancipating him, but maybe ultimately I'm actually going ahead and and pledging his value to the base Hamikdash. So I will say, so ultimately, again, that's really how we pass him. So if you're Mafkir, you're Evid, by the way, he does go free. If you're Makdish, you're Evid, we assume that ultimately what you're doing is you're being Makdish. So I will stop over here for today. Shkoyach. What a daf. What a daf. All right, Chevron Zoom. Have a great day, everyone. We're there, good Nerev Shabbos, an incredible schus to be able with all of you. Yes. By yesterday's dollar. Sure. Uh, yes, Solomon, and Prisbo.
So I assume that's like a minor child, a minor Yasong? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Like correct. Is that just, so like, oh, I'm Yasong, so... No, correct, correct. Only minors who we assume are not conversant like in the, the affairs of the of the state. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Glenstein.